This is Unfilter, episode 40 for March 6, 2013. Uh, Congressman, first to you, uh, they say it's a dangerous, addictive drug which would have a harmful effect on American society. What do you say? You know what? Same tired rhetoric. We're talking about people who have been on the gravy train of the drug war, both in, in the public side through the DEA, as well as making millions of dollars through consulting on this drug war. Of course they're going to be against sending it. It's not only the criminal cartels that benefit from the drug war, it's also the professional drug warriors. Uh, and they're benefiting to the tune of millions and millions of dollars while kids are abusing drugs. This week's episode of Unfiltered, a well-organized effort is underway by nine former DEA chiefs and Big Pharma to stop the spread of cannabis legalization. We'll break down their argument and analyze the talking points from the front lines. Plus, we'll look at the fallout from the sequester and the possible political motivations that led Washington to this point. Then it's all about the pipeline coming to a town near you, America's perpetual state of emergency, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Welcome. Welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about things that you know you might not find on television. My name is Chase, and joining me every week, as always, is Chris. Hey, hey there, Chris. Mr. Chase. How hey, you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. You know, I got to tell you that I feel so much safer now that in just a few short weeks, I'll be able to travel on an airplane. <laughs> And not only the lines will be longer right. because of the sequester, but everybody will have pocket knives on them now. And, However, box cutters, right. still bad. You got to say, I was going to say, you got to have the box cutters. <laughs> and so while you feel safe, I feel like a little bit of an underachiever right now. Uh, as we record the show, Rand Paul and his gang of a few have been uh, filibustering on the Senate floor for uh, yeah. over eight hours at this point. Now, for kids, for kids who may listen to our show or who do not know political technical terms what is a filibuster what is a filibuster what's a filibuster well this is an age old technique where back in uh, the day where where essentially in well, at least what's happening today is uh, and which side note maybe we could look into this in a future episode there was actually just a bit of an agreement Everybody kind of came to this wouldn't happen, uh, but uh, so what? The, what he's able to do is he's able to hold the floor, and he just continues to talk, or he hands it off to somebody he trusts that he knows will not give up the floor until he comes back, and he essentially monopolizes the speaking time and does what they say does not yield his time, so that the next person can't come in and say, "All right, let's have a vote on Brennan." So he's continuing to prevent the vote on Brennan this entire time. Now, what's the time limit? Well, as long as he can go. Man, I know. Well, don't. So I know. We, we'll I know. ask the trivia question yes. in a moment. We but, have a uh, great question about this. So on. we'll, as we go, we'll tune back in and see if Rand is still alive. We have, uh, we have that coming up a little bit in the show right now. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz is uh, from Texas, is up filling in for Rand, and Rand is uh, either he's been taking a lot of breaks recently uh, towards the eighth hour. I'm not sure if he's uh, maybe 
calling in more supporters or if he's just taking a big dump. <laughs> well, it's like a Major League Baseball team. you got to bring in your relief pitchers. You know, you're getting in for extra innings. You're in for the long haul. Now, Chase, uh, so uh, before we get to Rand, I want to talk about a few things that have been on my mind this week. Oh, yeah. uh, so I got Canada on the brain. Uh, tomorrow is TechSnap 100, and I've been thinking about Canada because my co-host is from Canada. And did you know that there is this Keystone pipeline that's going to be coming from Canada into the U.S.? Now, I thought that's, this was going to come by train now. I thought that was the whole thing. Actually, they, I they... believe it's going to be ponies. <laughs> ponies. Yeah, ponies. <laughs> no, uh so uh, this is actually uh, this is actually uh, I I don't know if uh, because camels would be inappropriate is that why Chris well I mean that would yeah that would be racist Chase that would be inappropriate so I, I love the way this one one title that I caught was called a two thousand page lubricant for the Keystone XL pipeline mm-hmm. uh, the State Department this week released uh, a report uh, w- which basically paints uh, the climate ch- the climate impact as fairly minimal. Um, but uh, the reality is that uh, this is a specific type of right. crude oil. It's from yep. the tar sands, and it's very dirty. It's very, and it's very hard to extract yes. in the pool. It out. takes about 17% more power to uh, refine it than it does uh, traditional but oil. But they have loads of it. Yes. And so uh, this fun- the funny. So one of the funny things about this environmental study is it didn't actually analyze the impact of digging up all of that sand and like removing it from the native area. Right. Like it looked at other things, but didn't actually look at like digging up the sand, like what kind of impact that would have on the environment. Right. And, and I guess the State Department was operating under the assumption that Canada is going to dig this stuff up regardless if we buy it or not. And I think that's likely the case. But here, I'll, I'll bring people up on the speed that maybe don't know all the details. Turn the valve and launch the operations of the Keystone Pipeline. An ambitious pipeline is firing off a war of opinions. A $7 billion project to transport 800,000 barrels of tar sands oil a day from Canada down to the Gulf Coast. Phase one of the Keystone project from Alberta, Canada to halfway through the U.S. has been constructed, with almost every mile built met with protest. TransCanada said that they expected 11 spills over a 50-year period. Uh, in its first year, it had over 35 spills. And uh, these spills are very, you know, very, very bad when you're talking about the tar sands. Oh, yeah. And this, if you recall back to the presidential elections, do you remember the Green Party candidate, uh, uh, Jill Stein? Jill Stein, remember she she debated with Gary Johnson in that. In oh, that, I remember that, yeah, that, yeah. that with the one with the Larry King. Yes. Now, Jill Stein, during the election got some notoriety because she was actually arrested protesting this very pipeline. So wow. she's, she's very against this. And uh, so obviously the Green Party, there's a lot of environmental concerns there. Keystone Excel, a major extension of the pipeline, is causing a stir, while the Obama administration debates its pros and cons before giving it a final go-ahead or halting construction. While those pushing the project ahead say it will create more jobs, a largely publicized Cornell study found that the project would kill more jobs than it would provide. The argument that, you know, 20,000 jobs are going to be created just isn't true. Um, When the State Department used TransCanada's own numbers for, you know, looking at job creation, they found that about 2,500 to 4,600 jobs might be created by the pipeline. All right, that sounds good, right? Yeah, it sounds positive. Almost 3,000 jobs. People need jobs. And these are, you know, temporary construction jobs. The number of permanent jobs that would be created by building the pipeline are around 50 in the United States. What? Professor Skinner, who worked on the study, says there was another promise of several thousand extra manufacturing jobs in the U.S., but in reality, the majority of the pipe itself is being built in India. She says the negative economic and employment complications... I thought it was interesting that they're building the actual pipeline in India. Like, they're, they're actually constructing the pipeline. The actual metal. And then they and ship it over here, yeah. Because it's also cheap. Yeah. ...been met with a blind eye. 
such as the 600,000 people employed in the agricultural sector in the way of the pipeline, whose jobs are likely to be affected. If you look at the six states that the pipeline goes through, 80% of the economies in those states are based on agriculture, um, ranching, and tourism. And all of, you know, tourism like fishing, right, like kayaking, canoeing, things that rely on there being clean water. But Keystone proponents say it will decrease skyrocketing oil prices and make the U.S. less dependent on foreign oil. Something America really needs, a reliable, stable source of energy. It's tempting to get wrapped up in the turbulence of markets and oil and gas prices. But I think we also have to remember the turbulence of what's going on right now with the climate. Everywhere we look, there's this mounting evidence of climate change. At the end of the day, there are no jobs on a dead planet. Canada. That's such hyperbole. I mean, wow. You know, really? He went there? And and the practical reality is is that uh, we are living in a world that is dependent on oil right now. And when we think of oil, we think of our cute little cars and our adorable little people trucks. No, it's it's every single item on our shelf is either constructed with oil, like, you know, the plastics, or it is at least driven there using heating, oil. Heating, uh, power generation. Power. I mean, it is it is off the hook how dependent we are on oil. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's in lubricants. It's in all, it's just crazy. Yeah. So uh, at the same time, you have to ask yourself, if you got to buy oil, would you rather buy it from the Middle East or would you rather buy it from Canada? Well, I, I like how they say, oh, well, we don't want to be dependent on quote unquote foreign oil. Isn't Canada foreign? Foreign? No, no, they're uh, that's just a little secret. Don't tell anybody though. I mean, no, they're, they're, they're yeah, just another state. Well, they're they're, they're pretty uh, they're pretty you know friendly. I guess you could say. I guess I don't know. Their dollar is only worth more than ours right now. Actually, the irony is that I think uh, once again our oil production's like rocking in the U.S. right now. Yeah, isn't it higher it's ever been? I think so. Yeah. Yet you go to the pump. I know, and it's what four thirty or whatever. It's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's no coincidence that and I mean is are the prices could the prices potentially be is it possible that they would ever manipulate prices like this to no 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 you don't understand Chris you don't see manipulation is illegal and we've right, had okay, countless right. countless okay. government officials who have gone right. through and you know right. have publicly said they're going to form a commission you're right and they're going to look into this and you know what happens and these are you know what these are publicly traded companies these the, these are reputable companies yeah. that have only had record profits year over year yeah I mean they would never. In a million years, shut down refineries in order to limit production right. to boost prices. That would be Ill- illogical. That would be wrong. Okay. That be. T- I can't believe that you would even consider something like that. You schooled me, Chase. You schooled man, me. Man, I can't believe you, man. So we have Jeez. recently talked about uh, sending over. I'm just kind of getting through some of our vegetables before we get into the rand and the pot stuff and and uh, and the sequester stuff. <laughs> That's probably what he's doing. <laughs> I wanted. I wanted to uh, maybe. I wanted to. I wanted to cover some world stories because we've been getting some heat yeah. for that. And uh, so this next one is Egypt. So we recently sold a bunch of uh, military airplanes to Egypt. Be like, what are we doing? Well, they're right? secondhand. They're they're right. like they're pre-owned. <laughs> They're loved, pre-loved. 115-point inspection. Well, did you hear that Kerry was just over there, and he said, we're going to give you a big, fat check. And oh, That's nice. Of How much? Well, I believe uh, it's actually, depending on how you calculate it, it could be up into the billions, but I think it just initially it's $280 million. Oh, that's it? Uh, just, just initially. <laughs> now, but it's dependent on a few a few little things. Now, it's this is a great ex- this is a great experiment in how Fox News covers something and how anybody else or like RT covers something. Okay. So here we go. Uh, We'll start with the the Fox News gives us some of the important bits and an introduction. 
After the sequester slashes our own spending, the U.S. announcing plans to give $250 million in aid to Egypt. Secretary of State John Kerry oh, meeting with Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi. And despite calling for Egypt to make economic and political reforms, Secretary Kerry calling Egyptians our longtime partners and friends. But is Egypt really our friend? Congressman Vern Buchanan joins. Good evening, sir. I give my friends 250 yeah, evening, all the time. Do you, have any, yeah. do you have any objection to the release of $250 million in this foreign aid to Egypt? When you think about the sequester, was on the first of March. Two days later, he gives 250 million. When they're talking about laying off 750,000 people, it makes no sense. That's why I've introduced a bill to freeze aid to uh, Egypt, which would give them two billion dollars a year. All right. So, yes. this is Fox either lying to us and just trying to maybe distract us from what we're really doing over there, right? Or they are so stupid that it is a tragedy of humanity that they are on the air. I mean, it's seriously down to one of those two options. I don't know which one it is. They're either ig- willfully ignorant on this. No, they're, I, I think you're right. I think they have to be willf- willfully. I can't even say it. So here's something that. But if, yes. If, if, you, if you look into uh, how the Muslim Brotherhood came into power, uh, it seems likely that the U.S. was pulling the strings on that. And in a lot of cases, when uh, when there is a revolution in a country recently, uh, the uh, new powers of be that come in are hardline dictatorships. Uh, generally, they are friendly with the U.S., but they they run things. They run a tight ship, right? Right. Uh, so that's essentially how the mother, mother, Muslim Brotherhood rolls, and that's where this money would be going to. Now, RT goes a little bit deeper into the story and gives us some perspective, and then if you if then we'll just read you uh, quotes from John Kerry directly, and it just it seals the deal. Now to talk more on U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East and North Africa and why it is causing concern, I'm joined now live by F. William Engdahl, geopolitical analyst and author of Myths, Lies, and Oil Wars. Thank you very much for being with us. Now, why uh, have Kerry's calls for a political consensus in Egypt been greeted with protest? Is this not in everyone's interest to end the turmoil and the unrest? Well, Kerry's going to Egypt with an empty bag. He's demanding that Egypt, uh, Egypt's government, the Morsi government, sign on to the IMF conditionalities, which mean huge subsidy cuts, as you just pointed out, and also uh, big tax increases that are going to worsen the economic situation, not improve it. So uh, this money that Kerry is offering him comes with conditions, essentially. Uh, the U.S. will uh, uh, unfreeze $190 million of our $450 million pledge that we have in budget support funds. Uh, and then an additional $60 million will be freed up after Egypt signs up and completes the IMF process. Uh, they have an outstanding loan, Egypt does, from the IMF for $4.8 billion, and they're renegotiating it right now with the IMF. So all of this is all connected. So we basically get them in. We get them on the International, International Monetary Fund, and we then b- begin to treat them like they are our puppet. Uh, furthermore, the... The entire Muslim Brotherhood project that the, the Obama administration has backed since the kickoff of the Arab Spring at top of Mubarak, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood project is uh, spinning out of control. It has no popular base within the Egyptian society other than the 12% or so uh, hardcore members of the Brotherhood. And, and most Egyptians want some kind of a democratic uh, society. And I don't cut it off there because that guy's horrible. But it was he kind of goes on interesting and explains a little more about why we support the brother, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, and things like that. So, but you can find it on Arteza YouTube channel, I think. 
All right, why don't we, uh, while we segue into how it's interesting how Fox News just completely ignores all of this, about it completely ignores the IMF tie-in, right? right? They completely ignore the connection with the Muslim uh-huh. Brotherhood. They completely ignore all of this, yeah. which is just either got to be intentional or it's got to be on accident. I'm not sure. Then they actually have the stones to talk about how untrusted the media is. <laughs> I, this is something, and I don't mean to pick on Fox because I get a lot of my content from there, and obviously uh, sometimes they have some pretty good coverage, especially on the Benghazi stuff. They, yeah. you know, they can hound it, but that's sometimes a good thing. So I don't want to completely dog on Fox here, but it is, it is almost... It almost turns my stomach when I see them call the media. They talk about the media. It's like, Fox, you are the media. How can you, you know, it's so hypocritical. Anyways, uh, listen to listen to Hannity. Just He has uh, like a wedgie or something. Very program. We have exposed <laughs> the left-wing media bias, the mainstream media. And yesterday, NBC anchor Brian Williams revealed how he really feels about this country. While he was chatting with his buddy, left-wing Hollywood liberal father of the year, Alec Baldwin, on his, I'm sure it's highly rated podcast. Oh, yeah. This is another reason I wanted to play this clip is I think it gives, I wouldn't say insight, but it gives hints of the real Brian Williams. Take a listen. Listen to what he said. Although loud personalities with extreme views gobble up more airtime, television news is an industry that still rewards unbiased, thoughtful, and direct reporting. My work has been so cleansed as I see it and as I've tried of political opinions over 27 years. How do you do it? Uh, Do you have political opinions? I sometimes don't that know. That buzz from him? I, yeah. I have the same disappointments in my patriotism. Like, this is one of the number one podcasts. This Alec Baldwin thing is, like, one of the most downloaded podcasts in the world. Yet he can't get good <clears throat> audio. It's, I, I just... Does he not know what a ground loop isolator is? You know, in, in MSNBC is like this, and CNN often has crappy audio. Uh, I mean, you heard that Fox News clip? That sounded like balls that we played on the pre-show. I, I just don't get it. Hey, you guys, so, just sidetracked here. making millions. Yeah. You know, you guys support good crap like what we do here. <laughs> Seriously, you notice there's no hum. I know, right? You notice we sound good. Oh, we shouldn't sound like jackasses though. This doesn't. Uh, I'm not saying you sound like a jackass, but that's a little bit I'm, like it. I'm just saying. I mean, listen, <laughs> listen to that crap. All right. And so, they're a multi-billion. So, so basically, you know, he says to Brian Ridiculous. Williams, he just said, "How do you avoid getting political after 25 years? How do you do it?" And and Williams kind of rolls into a softball. Yeah. He kind of stumbles at first, and then he then he kind of tucks, and he really starts to roll. And he actually he actually gives a semi decent softball answer. As a great man once said, "I yield to no one." I love this country. I love the American idea. I have profound disappointments in in my country. I feel we ought to be in space. I feel the dismantling of the manned space program. Why should we be in space? Uh, because it meant so much to us. Because, you mean just symbolically? Uh, no, technologically. The technologically, it there were, moved there were us more along. advances to be made there, you felt. You know, I sometimes think uh, post war America, post Vietnam America has kind of become exhausted. I have another theory that the growth of self, all things self, has taken away our spirit of community, we can do this, yeah. cohesion, sacrifice, Americanness. I don't really disagree with any of that, right? Uh, what what's wrong with that? It's vague, but it's you but know. I mean, but you know what? He, it feels like he, it's coming. He says from he's within. disappointed in the country. He thinks that we're isolated. A lot of and, us are disappointed. Yeah, a lot of us. So are. of course Hannity has to just tear into him. But you know what? But looking listening to that objectively, we're not uh, faux and balanced. Right. You know we're right. you know we're right. this is legitimate. But you know here's a great response. Here we go. 
Oh, let me see. This is the state-run media of, let's see, David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, the propagandist. Then, of course, we have Ed Schultz. Let's rip Dick Cheney's heart out, stomp on it, and shove it back in him. And let's not forget, thrill up our leg, Chris Matthews. Now, wait, wait, why is he calling out everybody right now when it was just Alec Baldwin? I know, and because they work for NBC. Okay, but now again, I'm not trying to pick on Fox News, but Carl Rove, John Bolton. Right. They all work for Fox News. They have dozens of contributors that are from previous administrations that work for Fox News. And he's calling these guys out for having left wingers when those are some like Karl Rove is about as right as you get. Well, when when Bush was in the White House, okay, when Bush was in the White House, they were I mean, they were basically the pro Bush network. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for them to call and it's like what about calling themselves biased, even though they're not. But. So he, he's according got, to their slogan and I all. think this last 15 seconds, I think he manages to still kind of stumble around. Well, guess what, Mr. Williams? The rest of the country appears to be disappointed with you because according to a new Rasmussen poll, only 6% of Americans view the news reported by the mainstream lapdog Obama mania media as very trustworthy. And That's like you that. included. Now, uh, yeah, I, I mean, exactly. Now, well, JB Viewer Zero in the chat room rightfully points out and we should make note of this, that Hannity is an opinion show. But I still, I still think there's absolute value in criticizing what he's talking about here because he's calling out another network, and he's not necessarily wrong all the way, but his network is guilty of the same sins. Right. They're, they, 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 are, they, they commit the same atrocities, and he's calling them out for it when he's standing in the, in the mecca center of what he's against. And if I was taking that poll, and if I was asked that poll... And the way I, they ask the question, too, is like, it is ridiculous. Yeah, it's such generality. It's not even funny. It's like all news is biased in some fashion. You just got to hear it out. You got to listen yeah. to it. Now, Chase, when I say, you know, we are in a national state of emergency, what do you think of? I think of, holy crap, and we had a major disaster. Something like maybe some sirens, maybe like some helicopter noise, I mean, some protesters like, maybe. Major fire. There's maybe like problem. excessive violence. Oh, God. I mean, there's guns Over response, right. I got to lock down in my yeah. house. I got to right. protect my family. I'm, I'm scared. No. It's not like that at all, Chase. No? No. no? Actually, uh, I'm confused. this is something that if you Google search, you will not find a single story about this. No press outlet is covering the story. But we have been in a perpetual state of emergency since 1976, and it was just renewed on March 1st. This is what it sounds like, folks. It's not flashy. It's boring. This is why nobody's playing it. But this is what you get here on the Unfilter Show. I got this off C-SPAN, and this is part of... This empowers Obama with with a very like basically suspending habeas corpus, all kinds of really niceties that he needs, uh, and they renew this every single frickin' year, and they've been doing it since the seventies. The what? clerk will read the message to the Congress of the United this States. This happened on March first. Section two hundred two D of the National Emergencies Act provides for the automatic termination of a national emergency unless, within ninety days prior to the anniversary date of its declaration, the president publishes in the Federal Register and transmits to the Congress a notice stating that the emergency is to continue in effect beyond the anniversary date. Now, for for like uh, you know a lot for a long time, we were using nine eleven as the reason. Uh, we have used Iran. Uh, so it, when I believe when it was originally put into place, we were using the situation in Iran uh, as the reason for the national emergency. All right. um, now, there is a specific law that was passed to prevent presidents from continuing to extend this. And so if you depending on where you find this, you'll see that's only been going for 11 years. Well, the reality, that's when that law was changed. And all that law does is it says that the president has to transmit a letter to the Congress 90 days before the expiration of the extension. OK, so they've, that's all they've. So it's been the same thing. So since the 70s. 
seventies. But we're and this is March. So what do you suppose? What do you suppose would constitute the United States, the most powerful nation in the world, the biggest military, the richest country, the reserve currency of the world? What could constitute a national emergency giving the president the right to suspend habeas corpus? Oh, oh I, I know. It's simple. It's uh, North Korea. Hmm. That would be pretty good. Uh, can you think way lamer? Uh, way lamer. Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. <laughs> in accordance with this provision, <laughs> I have sent to the Federal Register for publication the enclosed notice stating that the national emergency declared in Executive Order 13288 of March 6th, 2003, with respect to the actions and policies of certain members of the government of Zimbabwe and other persons to undermine Zimbabwe's democratic processes or institutions is to continue in effect beyond March 6, 2013. The crisis constituted by the actions and policies of certain members of the government of Zimbabwe and other persons to undermine Zimbabwe's democratic processes or institutions has not been resolved. These actions and policies continue to pose an unusual and extraordinary threat to the foreign policy of the United States. For these reasons, I have determined that it is necessary to continue this national emergency and to maintain and force the sanctions to respond to this threat. Signed, Barack Obama, the White House. Can you believe that? Referred to the Committee on Foreign I'm Affairs. I'm picking up my jaw off the floor print. here, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, make a phone call to Zimbabwe. And nobody is covering that. That was on C-SPAN, but that's it. Because it's... Because it's super boring. I hate I hate using this term. I really hate it. But this is because someone else uses this term and they use it much better. But this is the new normal, right? Well, and it's old news because yeah. it's been going on forever. Yeah. Uh, so we have we have more information about this in the show notes if you guys are curious. It really is kind of so, almost so a non-story. So he really, 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 really wants to keep the suspension of habeas corpus. So going. And that's what he wants. It's always been something. It's always been something. Uh, so, anyways, oh, there you go. Maybe man. put it on Zimbabwe is just a scapegoat. This is, I mean, this is just this is just something I feel like the public should know about more. But now, I mean, here, I mean, the the other weird thing about this is the other thing that it does, and I don't know if there's any significance to this, but the right of a grand jury for members of the National Guard when in actual service is also suspended. Yeah. Now. Do you think that is because so they can continue to have them deployed, and if they wanted to uh, refuse deployment, that they? Could- I bet it. I bet. I bet it. You know, I wouldn't. I would couldn't say, but I bet it changes a lot of policies with what military can and can't do during the state of emergency, especially with that particular provision. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's quite – I mean, see, this is something that it's like kind of new to us because there's no there's no dialogue. But we've been in a, an effect for over 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Over 30 years, yeah. yeah. Like 34, 30, wow. some, 35. I can't – yeah. Math is hard. You but. know, you know, it's it's like you know, if you're panicking for so long, it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, the sky is falling. Yeah. After a while, it becomes a, a lull yeah. and people are just like, eh. Yeah, obviously, they're abusing it. Is what? Yeah, it is. absolutely. Uh, so, uh, why don't we take this? Is probably a good spot to uh, take a little. I, I was thinking, you know, while we're talking about how uh, <laughs> the mainstream media is not covering these kinds of things, yeah, this is probably a good time to talk about. Uh, we'll play a little music while we talk about uh, supporting the Unfiltered Show. I just wanted to say thanks to uh, Kashara. I'm not. How would you say that name there, Chase? Do you have that? Can yeah, you, I can pull that up. Kashara. Uh, Kashar. 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 Uh, thank you to uh, Carl. Kashar. Stefan and uh, somebody who requested to be anonymous. We now have 37 monthly. Un- anonymous uh, has yeah. jumped in. Uh, not, not, not the anonymous. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just So thank you to our 37 uh, unfiltered supporters. We're trying to get to 133. 133. 133. Uh, and that, that will fund one day of production for the unfiltered show. Keeps us 
the sh- keeps us running the show at cost, basically, is yeah. what that does, and yeah. pays for the downloads, pays for all that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, once we get that investor base, it pays for my cup of water, nice, and the Thai food, and the delicious Thai food. No, actually, it didn't. I paid actually, for that. no, that, that and the drone did not deliver that. No, um, and we're also sending out uh, a uh, an email after every show with the pre and post show for you guys. You'll be getting uh, some experimental shows in the future and a few other things that we have in the works. So uh, thank you to everybody who's supporting the show. We'd love to get some more of you. We're at uh, 37 now, which is awesome. We're trying to reach 100, 133 to cover our base costs. And, you know, when you hear that kind of stuff, it, like what we just played, where we just had a several clips where Fox News is ragging on the other guys for the same thing they do. They're not covering the real situation in Egypt. Like, they know why Kerry's going over there, but they won't actually tell us. All this kind of, this is, we're unfiltering all of this. And we have all of the references. Well, you got to remember, the there's lobby groups behind both networks. I mean, all networks, I would say, really. Yeah, well, and they have, and they have always have some sort of slant. Right. I mean, you'll, you'll hear stories uh, about, uh, I don't know, we played in a pre show clip about oil paintings. Yeah. And at the end of the clip, we went to Costco. I know they're going to plug so in like, there, and it's like it's a, it's a, you know you guys you got to listen out for this stuff. I like Costco because though. I love Costco Cha-ching. too, but it's a, that's that's an ad. That's yeah. an ad, but people don't see that. Right, right. Oh man, you know what's really creepy? And this is we got to move on because we got an email I wanted to read. But yeah. uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a lot of YouTube guys that just do all their stuff on YouTube, and they're getting paid to like unbox and open stuff, and they're not disclaiming they're paid. Like I can think of a few. Oh, I know of a few as well, and it's creepy. And actually. Sometimes they'll go, well, I was sent this review unit. Yeah, something like that, too. But right. that's some, I'm, I'm, I'm talking not even that kind of disclosure. But all right, why don't we read this email we got here, uh, Mr. Chase? Well, this uh, email came in from Cole. Uh, Cole wrote in and said, hello, Chris and Chase. I'm a longtime listener to Jupiter Broadcasting, uh, Linux Action Show, uh, TechSnap, SciBy, and Faux Show. Faux Show. And my favorite is Unfiltered. Aww. I love the other shows, but I'm uh, so I'm neck deep in technology all week <laughs> that I enjoy some conspiracy bacon. Oh, well, you know, I can fry a little can that you fry for some him. That? Yeah. Wait, wait. You smell it? Mm. Oh, you know, if I was president. Yeah, bacon all the time. Bacon every every Saturday. Nationalized bacon, socialized Nas- bacon. Socialized bacon. You know, instead of the weekly radio address, yeah. it'd be the weekly presidential bacon address. And you'd be like, you'd be with Chase live streaming you cooking bacon. That's right. Sunday I, morning. I, I, and I'd be like, all right, let me talk you, to you about. You walk out and say, hello, everybody. Let me hello, tell, everybody. I'll tell you about bacon. All right. I'm, I'm burning uh, to sign up as a donor to Unfilter, but I'm purchasing a house soon. And it's a fixer-upper. I think I'll be spending over $50,000 over the next year. Wow. Much of it from Amazon. Oh. Hey, now. Uh, I've got an Amazon affiliate link installed, hey, nice. uh, so I hope that keeps Jupiter Broadcasting and Unfilter going. Yeah. Is there a way to spe- specify in a future version of the J- uh, Amazon JB extension to allocate the funds back to which shows we watch? Mm-hmm. I like to throw my uh, Amazon spending, which becomes JB funding to the unfiltered show. So he wants to funnel it. Yeah. Thanks for the great show. We Cole. could we could create separate affiliate IDs yeah. uh, for each show, but we would then lose the average overall percentage. Yeah, game. because it yeah. So it's we would lose aggregate. money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. Also, that would just take a lot of coding. There's not really the time available to do it. But uh, so I don't think we would do that. But you know, if you can't contribute the thirteen thirty three a month, and I know, you know, some of you have have commented that is expensive. Think of it, and some of you said, you know, it's it's more expensive than Netflix. And that is. It is more expensive than if Netflix. If they don't do the streaming and the discs. Uh, but it's. I also consider it to be $3.33 a show per, mu- per, per, per week. So it's basically $3 a week. Or four, you know, f- round it up to $4 a week. Uh, so three thirty-three a show. Let me ask you this. When you, when you produce a show uh-huh. and you, you do all the editing uh, and you get it out the door, how, how long does it take you? 
Mm, it definitely depends on the show. Uh, but average, overall average. After I've recorded the show, usually about two and a half, two and a half, three hours. So, you know, you guys out there, Amazon Prime costs you 99 bucks a year, and that's two days of shipping. So you order something, it takes two days to get to you. You can get unfilter plus all the extras for cheaper, for, for much, much more quicker than Amazon Prime. I'm just saying. You do get the extras. That's you get nice. the extras, extras nice. and you get it quick. Good point, Chase. Good point. I do. Everybody does like their extras. I, I like extras like uh, Aaron likes chicken. If I you, love chicken. If you throw in bacon. I eat too much chicken. So maybe she could eat some bacon. Maybe a little bit of Aaron. Yeah. Oh, she could eat some Shake bacon. some Aaron on there. So uh, speaking of uh, getting the munchies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, by the way, thank you for emailing. You can email us unfiltered at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Don't forget voicemails. You know, uh, yeah, voicemails too. Yes. Uh, Unfilter show on Skype and mm-hmm. uh, phone us at 425-312-1756. Yes. And uh, we will, uh, you know, one of the things we might do as an extra show is if we don't get to all the emails eventually, we might... Uh, we might uh, just do a little extra show on that. Now, let's talk about uh, munchies and the marijuana. Okay, mm, They go hand in hand. So uh, I don't often catch Fox Business, so I, I, I came across this clip, I think, maybe on their site? I don't know. I found it online, and uh, it, it kind of made me a little worried because when you start talking about mar- marijuana and making money, you got to figure people are going to start getting a little uncomfortable. It is now legal in Washington and Colorado. That means a lot of people are looking for ways to make some money in it. Invest yeah. in the pot business. Invest. I've got a guest with me today who's going to tell us how you do that. How do you invest in legal pot? His name is Troy Dayton. He's the CEO of Archview Group. Troy, welcome to the program. I want to run through this because uh, let's nail this down. You accumulate yes. money, you know the industry, you allocate that money into areas which you think will grow with the cannabis market. That's essentially what Troy Dayton does, correct? Sort of. Um, I, I run an angel investor network, which means I bring together high net worth individuals, people that represent uh, venture capital funds, um, uh, and uh, people and industry leaders okay. in this space who are looking to invest money. And then we bring companies to come and, and pitch them. So okay. uh, there's I, I, a whole range there. I've heard some horror stories about people going to Colorado. Mm-hmm. They know it's legal, so they figure they'll open a pot mm-hmm. shop. They haven't got a clue what they're doing. They have no business sense whatsoever, and that includes uh, mm. most of them are potheads. Uh, they're stoned all the time. They, they have not got a clue hey, about oh. profit and loss. Wow! Is that what you're finding? Talk about a stereotype. This this industry is very fragmented. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, the the marketing uh, and branding. Uh, uh, bar is pretty low it's it's a really huge opportunity but you're absolutely right people are getting excited about the hype and they're jumping into things without necessarily uh looking at all of the risks yeah. um and there's a real good reason i mean this is definitely going to be the next great american industry there's no doubt about that the, the next oh that's interesting the, the next show we're going the next great american industry uh, yeah. yes okay all right all right we'll leave it at that <laughs> troy dayton that's uh, a nice yeah, we'll idea leave it we'll, at see that. You later. well uh chase if you uh gauge an industry by the people looking for a job uh washington oh my god is uh having a we, we got so many applicants they've had to delay the process Friday after work. Dude! I love Washington. Where's my czar? As in marijuana consultant in Washington oh. State after uh-uh. seminars and a lengthy search. Because that car was about pot smokers uh, for pot smokers. Uh, oh my uh, God. Yeah, yeah. They still haven't hired a marijuana advisor because they've been swamped with qualified applicants. The state liquor control <laughs> board qualified. says it received 90. <laughs> 
I love this qualified applicant. I like a job. Bids to become You're qualified. Supplementing <laughs> Washington's You're qualified. landmark legalization of pot <laughs> initiative 502. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are waiting for guidance. Dante Jones wants his business, Green Ambrosia, to become a 5,200 square foot marijuana superstore. For now, Jones sells only to customers with medical prescriptions. Only. Fair such as Deadhead OG. Oh, yeah. Critical Kush. Oh, yeah. And Amnesia <laughs> Haze. Sales for recreational use become legal at the end of this year as a result of the Costco ballot proposal's passage. That's where I'm the going. change in public perception since that November vote has been just dramatic. The marijuana consultant, law degree preferred, will advise on <laughs> growing, transporting, and packaging marijuana here. In other words, somebody who knows about marijuana from experience. <laughs> that means some applicants with criminal records may be considered so long as their offenses were marijuana-related and nonviolent. Cannabis is a whole new thing for us. It, yeah, it's man. uncharted territory. The Liquor Board says it expects to pay less than $100,000 for the pot consulting and may divide the work among up to four bidders. The announcement of the winning bid or bids could come as early as next week. For the winner or winners, it could be euphoria. For dozens of losers, reefer sadness. Paul Verkamen, CNN, Los Angeles. I know. Wow. Uh, so we got we got that's that. awesome. So this is all kind of coming together in this. Uh, it's starting to build a lot of pressure for the people who don't want to see the pot laws change. Right. And there's a little bit of a lobby building now. Let me set this up. Well, there is more pressure on President Obama tonight to override the law in this state legalizing pot. A group of eight former DEA chiefs put out a letter today asking the U.S. attorney to sue the state of Washington. Here's John Hopper's dad with why they want this law stopped in its tracks. They can see all aspects of what they need for marijuana. Dante Jones just opened this dispensary in Ballard for medical marijuana patients. He hopes it will also be one of the first pot retail stores in the state open to everyone. Like when you used to walk into a liquor store or still walk into a liquor store, you know what yeah, you're I don't getting, walk you know in what you're anymore. looking at, and there's details on every single product as to what it is and what it does. Jones is just waiting for the Liquor Control Board to set rules on retail pot. There is a growing voice from a powerful group hoping that wait lasts powerful. forever. This is an issue that needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed now. Peter Bessinger is one of eight former chiefs of the Drug Enforcement Administration calling on the president to shoot down the pot laws in Washington and Colorado. Marijuana is still illegal federally, and he worries about what is already happening in our state. If you make it available for recreational use, they're going to use it. All right, this is our bad guy of the week here, Chase. So uh, yeah. this is Peter B. Benzinger here. He's a former DIA. He was uh, he was a good old boy at the beginning, the birth of the war on drugs. Oh, so he's got to defend his baby. And uh, he now works uh, for a uh, uh, company. He was the former CEO of a company who uh, did big pharma testing. So oh, he has a pharmaceutical connection. So not only he's defending his baby, but he's defending his investment. And he signed on to this letter that has been sent to uh, uh, Eric Holder trying to get him to sue Washington and Colorado. Uh, so, And this organization he's representing is Save Our Society from Drugs. Now, they claim to be a national agency, <laughs> but it turns out everybody's based out of Florida, and a lot of them have big pharma connections. And most of them that are like the uh, big signers on the list are all from the D. E 
DIA. Don't say. Or, yeah, D. Like, oh, I don't want to get confused with the DIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, so they have sort of um, what you might call uh, some skin in this game. And so what he's gone on now, and this is why he was on uh, all of our local news here in Washington State, obviously, because this is an important issue for us in Washington. And what he did is he pre-recorded clips. So he had stock answers he gave, like, this has to be stopped before it's too late. And then he pauses and he waits. And then he says something again, and then they hand this they hand this oh, footage out geez. to the local news. Yep. So they're playing these clips. Only they didn't always cut out his pauses and the pause points and all that stuff. So in one of the clips, they actually. So so, so do you are you saying, Chris? Wait a minute. Are you saying that he's setting himself up to be edited at certain points for certain bullet points? It's really common. It's uh, they call this the, the satellite junket, and he sits down in one room and he records thirty or forty clips, and then they distribute them out to all of the news affiliates around the country. But 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 Chris, I'm watching. And I, th- I I thought this is the way it is. They make it look. They do try to make it look live. Oh. Uh, so so this is so this is uh, the Peter B. Brenzinger, who is the former uh, uh, DEA during the Reagan and uh, uh, administration during the birth of the war on drugs. Even back, uh, I believe uh, he might have been as far back as Carter. I, I will have a clip that gives us some background on him coming up. Well, not that one. This let's go on. Now, this is him saying that Washington is wasting its time. Wasting but Benzinger, time. who was the chief drug enforcement officer under Ford, Carter, and Reagan, oh, okay. believes a lawsuit is inevitable, and our state is just wasting its time and money by going forward with the new pot law. You can't explain rationally why the Justice Department is not doing what they are duty bound to do. Backers of Initiative 502, approved by voters in a wide margin, say they've been preparing for the chance of a federal intervention. Of course, we've been planning all along that that day may come at some point. So we think that 502 is drafted in a way that we're going to be able to successfully defend it in court if we need to. Um, But we're very hopeful that we won't have to. Now, what the part of the pressure is, is this is another uh, former DEA administrator who uh, was on uh, CNN, and he was telling Wolf that uh, we've got to act right now while we can. If we don't act now, we're going to lose this. Let's head to the Situation Room. Let's d- discuss what's going on with the former DEA administrator, a- Asa Hutchinson, one of the signers of this letter. Colorado, you know, did their sovereign choice of, of passing this initiative. We got ourselves in a box here. We have federal law, conflict with state law, and it should not just simply be left there uh, with no uh, hey, hey, hey. consequence or with no determination of this and clarification. If this, if there's no action by the Obama administration within five years, there will be legalization of marijuana across the United States, in my judgment. Five years? So what this guy... What's the ma- why is that a magic number? Um, I don't know. Because I guess because a lot of states have it coming up on their... On yeah, but why would he say five years as an arbitrary number? Is it, If the mm-hmm. law is not challenged, it's therefore okay? I don't understand that. Is statute limitations? I, th- I think it's just that he thinks in five years it will cascade across the country See, and then it'll be I, too I far I hate arbitrary run. numbers thrown out like that without yeah. any substantial... There's, no, there's nothing backing. behind it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so... This guy has what he did is he got out in the early 80s of the drug administration after they got things rolling. Um, these guys have worked with some of the people that went down into Mexico and were sp- uh, spraying poppy fields down there, and that led to a ton of deaths. Uh, so these guys have a real awesome past. And then once they got out of the DEA, they essentially started these lobbying and funding groups. And they've gone around and they've taken donations to essentially try to 
echo the the typical propaganda that's always echoed about how addictive marijuana is. And they'll quote, well, I look at the statistics of how addicted children are that's just been skyrocketing for the last 10 years. And of course, they never mention the fact that's because the kids have either rehab or jail. So if they choose rehab, then they get marked as marijuana oh, addicts regardless. And the, so the, the statistics are completely are inflated. And he never mentions any of that, even though it's anybody that analyzes the data, that's very clear and very obvious. Uh, And I think what it fundamentally comes down to is, do you think this is a state's law issue or is this a federal law? Should state laws in this particular case regulating marijuana trump federal law? Uh, Absolutely. We need to change federal law. I agree with Asa. We need to legalize marijuana nationally. But in the meantime, the best thing the federal government can do is just step back, make it clear it's a law enforcement priority, and let the experiments in the states begin a more rational drug policy for our country. Jared Polis and Asa Hutchinson, a good debate, a debate that is going to continue. I agree with that guy. Let the experiment happen like it did with alcohol legalization. Colorado legalized that first. Then we saw what happened there. And you know what? We still kind of have funky alcohol laws, but we seem to get by somehow. Yep. yep. I mean, you know, I mean, up in Canada, their alcohol laws are different than ours. I think it was a 19 up in in Canada for people to drink. So, no, I I think hopefully the government will play this out. But didn't Eric Holder speak about this? Well, Eric Holder was being asked recently about a lot of things. Uh, So we'll get to the drone in a minute. But yeah, he was recently uh, today, actually, uh, being questioned about it. And I kind of sounded like to me, he kind of dodged the questions, but essentially he said, what are you going to do about this? Well, they were pressuring him. They wanted to know. They wanted an answer. And so what he says, okay, well, we're going to give you an answer very soon. We're working our decision. We should have it very soon. He kind of emphasized that. And didn't Leahy offer an opinion? He was just like, well, now this is just an opinion. This is just an opinion. But I, but I think you shouldn't. He basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said you shouldn't be doing anything. Right. He said, just, "Well, with the sequester here, we got, we have, we have major we, problems. Yeah. yeah. Don't this we have is, more this, important things to worry is about? Nothing important right. to deal with. And you know, the, in the, the fundamental, practical matter about the uh, cannabis legalization is we have, we have a, we have such a, a, a stunning prison problem, yeah. and we really have got to get that under control. I, it, it's so immoral how bad our prison problem has gotten. And I think history is going to look, um, it's not going to look kindly on us for how we've ignored this problem. Yeah. We, I think people will judge us for this. Yeah. And the cannabis and the war, cannabis legal, illegalization and the war on drugs has been a huge, huge contributor to this war, uh, this essentially slave population that yep. we're uh, accumulating. And also become, they become non-productive citizens in a lot of cases and a drag on society. Right. Yeah. So I hope this debate does continue. I hope these it guys. I to. hope they don't sue our state. I hope they don't try to shut it down. Well, if it, you know, it's one of those situations where even if they do end up suing and try to shut it down, uh, I mean, our attorney uh, general uh, Ferguson, I believe his mm-hmm. name is, has already vouched that even though he didn't agree with it, he I, will. I, he will, he I will respect fight, that. He will fight for the people yeah. because they voted for it. Mm-hmm. And I and I think you know maybe if it did. It would raise the level of, of a national conversation since oh, yeah. it would get to the Supreme Court yeah. at I mean, that point. It seems like if they don't do something, it will start spreading across the country. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, especially when we start making money. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with letting states decide on their own right. I mean, for example, when it comes to, like, say, gambling, as a great example, there's a couple states yeah. have already legalized poker. I mean, hello. In the state of Washington, I mean, I'm not trying to go off on too much of a tangent here, but you know what really grinds my gears? What's that, Chase? Is... When you have the state of Washington that makes online gambling a class, I believe it's a class C felony. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Banks are blocked. You know, they're blocking you uh, from from mm-hmm. from playing online poker. I, you know what I gotta say? 
Bitcoin, my friend. There is so many cool online Bitcoin poker sites. I know, but you know, what if I don't want to deal with Bitcoin? I I, I understand that. It's going for like 50 bucks right now, though. It's crazy. But I'm just saying, you know, when you have the state of Washington making online gambling a class C felony. It's ridiculous. It's totally absurd. I mean, it's things like this where, you know, let's- That grind your gears? Yes. Let states, in this scenario, if they can do their own gambling laws, why can't they make their own laws when it comes to- I don't know, marijuana. Or, yeah. They did it for medical marijuana. I mean, Washington passed, what, 16, 17 years ago, and the federal government has never stepped in in the past 16 or 17 years when they could have come in to block miracle marijuana. They did right medical, yeah, and and they've uh, you know uh, I decided not to throw the clip in here just to, for time, but Obama you know with just in December was interviewed, uh, and he said that you know we have bigger he literally said we have bigger fish to fry. It's yep, not a priority for my yeah. administration. So speaking of bigger fish, we uh, expected to be sitting here tonight telling you that John Brennan had been nominated as the right. We thought it was a done deal. It's fact, all over. Uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee has approved the nomination of John Brennan. Well, the so committee, the committee, and so you know this is uh, you know Brett Barr over there. He's like this is going to happen as CIA director. Now it heads to the full Senate. Before that, the administration greased the wheels by providing some documents. Senators had demanded demanded on the administration's drone program and the terrorist attack in Benghazi, Libya. There are still questions, as you've heard, about both. But the Benghazi investigation appears to be stifled elsewhere. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge has that story. Do we want a Benghazi update, or should we just move on to the filibuster? What do you think? Let's move on to the filibuster okay. here, because it, so, this is current. This is happening right now. So, uh, unfortunately, Rand's not up, and Rand kind of has had the best speaking, I think. So, But uh, today, they were going to vote on the it. president on the right... This is live right now. I am setting aside the punitive damages laws in all 50 states. It upsets comedy when companies, foreign companies, are subject to punitive damages award. Therefore, therefore, tort reform shall be the law in all 50 states. And for that matter, there are states like California. So this is uh, 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 hour 11 of the filibuster. And right now you can go to israndpaulstilltalking.com, israndpaulstilltalking.com. And uh, it just has a very clear yes or no. It's getting quite a bit of traffic. It also has a countdown, though, which tells me it is 11 freaking hours. So, yeah, so right now if you're watching us live, watching the show live, uh, I'm I'm pulling it up right now on my screen so you guys can see it. It's under a lot of load. It's a lot of load right now. It's probably hosted. And we just sent sent our live stream there, too. Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, and uh, yes, and the clock is running. Yeah, so we're at 11 hours that they've been filibustering. This is, I got to say, it's kind of entertaining. Uh, if nothing else, it gives us a great chance to uh, play a favorite here on the Unfilter Show. Uh, that's right, Chase. It's yeah. time for the old game show, Ask the Chat Room, where we're going to give a trivia question to the chat room and see if they know the answer. Let's oh, see nice. what their historical knowledge is and who can get it to us the absolute fastest, Chase. <laughs> and uh, tonight's prize is listening to the unfilter show <laughs> all right chat room all right. uh here is uh here, here is, is your, your question qu- you know what you need what? you need like a tick tock in the back I, here's I, your question i have uh that works all right chat room all right, here's, here's your question chat room then you gotta answer correctly what is historically the longest filibuster in united states history we'll give them a uh, 30 seconds all right chat room again what is the longest filibuster i need some i need some longer uh I need some. I need something. You need loops. like a thirty-second loop. That's what you need. Here we go. Here we go. All right, chat room. Now, now, remember, you got to think back. You're gonna have to think back to all the filibusters in the past, all of them. And there's been a lot. There's been a lot of epic 
filibusters. But this is the Price is Right kind of. The closest without going over will will win. When the Supreme Court of the United States ruled by a vote of six to three. All right. In favor. Oh, are we ready? All right. You want me to roll? You want me to crank the slots? All right. All right, Chase. Uh, let's, let's pick our uh, first contestant from the chat room. Now, I, I I don't know. I don't know if Penguin Man jumped on Google right away. That's okay. But if he did, congratulations, Penguin Man. You win. Ooh. It was Strom Furman. 24 hours plus a few minutes, which is correct. 24 hours, 18 minutes for Strom. In 1957 against the Civil Rights Act. Boy, he gets bonus points for even putting it in there. Bonus ding for you, sir. Good job. That was a good one. Yes, very good. I, I like that. All yes. right, so... Uh, now, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we shift gears because there's not a lot more to talk about this about the um, about the grandstanding. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the filibuster. Wait, 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 Chris, what are you talking about? No, he's be- he's standing up for his, conti- his constituents, and he's he's there. And he's, I don't necessarily disagree, but I I also think that Rand Paul is running in 2016. He has been on he has been in the news a lot lately, and I think. Uh, he had the interview scheduled with CNN tonight that he blew off in order to do this. He was going to be on Aaron's show. I don't know. I think he's trying to set himself a legacy that he can really stand on for the next four years in 2016. Would you vote for him? That's a um, Republican now, Chris. People call you a, a liberal left-leaning liberal blah, 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 blah. I, in, the, in my gut, I think something tells me Rand Paul sold out. When like there was some stuff with his dad that happened, and uh, you know he's also sometimes voted the last minute in a way that helps helps the other side. Right. I, something in my gut tells me he might have sold out, but he's like, but the reason he sold out is because they need the rebel on their payroll payroll. So he's kind of like maybe the worst kind of sellout. Well, all you got to do is, or just, I'm wrong. I could be totally. All you got to do is follow the money, right? I mean, it's it's public. Uh, it's uh, what we need. Chris is to file a public uh, disclosure get request. Get a FISA request. So I'm just watching him and just freedom kind of, of information. And you know what? Yeah. I got to be honest. This um, is an interesting display. I'm going to give it some time and then analyze the, the all of it. So but. so we need to we need to make a prediction right now. Now we know he's been going for 11 hours. Yeah. Okay. Which is damn impressive. Which is really good. He's got he's got a tag team. I mean, he's going yeah. for it. We should mention like he's had a Snickers, and then he started having people come up and quote unquote ask questions, and he would step away. Like he's been away since we started the show, as far as I can tell. So he's been away for a long time, and then he comes back and well, he's quite ground a quick bike to eat. Yeah. So here's the question: Does he break Strom Furman's record? Does he? Is he going for the record? I don't. I don't know. So one. Of the I mean, why would you go this long? And not go for the record. The other thing to consider, too, although that would be great to was stand tra- on. Was he training? That would be was great to stand on. Was he training at home? <laughs> the other thing to consider is uh, it is snowing like a beast there right now. Well, I don't know about like a beast, but it is snowing right now. I don't know how bad it is, but it... We, so, can, ask, we can ask Siri. All right. All right. Do you want to try? Yeah. We'll do it live. Okay, do it. What is the weather in Washington, D.C.? Washington, <laughs> District of Actually, right now it's not so bad. It's thirty-nine degrees and uh, partly cloudy. Oh, really? They said on CNN it was snowing. No, it's 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 partly cloudy. Oh, or Siri's drunk. Or Siri's having some issues. I actually, no. I would I mean, trust it's, Siri. It's, I would trust Siri over CNN. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know. so all right. Um, uh, you know what? I wanted to. I wanted to start the sequester segment with a little gem. Uh, going back oh, to the archives God. to wait, the wait. We need a man. We need a sequester I know. Well, bumper. we do now. We do sequester. So there's maybe some material in this clip. This is from uh, the debate with Romney. I think the second debate, maybe the third debate with Romney uh, during the presidential election. Listen to what Obama says at the end. 
combination of the budget cuts that the president has, as well as the sequestration cuts. That, in my view, is, is, is making our future less certain and less secure. Bob, I just need it. to comment on this. First of all, the sequester is not something that I proposed. It's something that Congress has proposed. It will what? not happen. Wait. Did you hear what he said at the end? Yeah, it will happen. It will not. Oh, it will not happen. It will not happen. So he, so during the debates, he said the sequester will not happen. Well, guess, guess what? what? Yeah. 27-year-old Maria Njoku, <laughs> a civilian Defense Department employee, is preparing for the worst. So we got ABC here. They're going to tell us how the sequester is impacting real Americans. That's what it says on or middle-class Americans. I do live paycheck to paycheck. But anger, resentment about this? No, just mostly disappointment. She's called her rent, cable, and electric company, asking for special dispensation. When the furloughs begin where she works, one of possibly 750,000 civilian Pentagon employees in a potentially similar situation. She's forced to, to rethink her buy spending, her. buying her groceries it's in bulk. Heaven forbid she do it Hold beforehand, on. right? See, you know what? You know what? I'm going to get in trouble again. Oh, no. I'm going to get in trouble we got, again. We already got all the hate emails from last week. No, I know. I know. All right. All right. I have I have uh, I have two questions. Okay. Okay. First off, she's known about how long has she known about this possible sequester? Got to be at least a couple of months, right? I mean, it was mentioned in the debates, I mean, it's right? It's been around for it, it, so the super committee failed a while ago. So we've known that if they didn't come to a deal, this would happen. Okay. So I would ask her two questions. A, have you been reading or watching the news? No. Okay. B, I'll be her. Okay. 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 And 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 B, this is not a yes or no question. Okay. Go ahead and ask me. I'm her. How much money do you have saved? Oh, I don't have any savings. Uh, but I got a really nice apartment. I have a couple kids. So we decided it was better to live now than save. And we figured we'd eventually put some money aside. We just didn't expect to have to do it now. All right. And how many credit cards do you have? Just two. How much is your car payment? Uh, well, I have three cars. <laughs> okay, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep a straight face. See what I mean? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with people? So you're counting every God. dollar. Every dollar. This is not going to be a... Uh, apocalypse it's just dumb and it's gonna hurt half of the 85 billion dollars will fall directly on the pentagon at least one aircraft carrier will not be deploying and effective today cuts in military training begin curbing air force flying hours and some doors at the u.s capitol will be forced to close in late march furlough notices for department of defense civilian employees go out in April, the FAA furlough notices. It might not be initially as dire as predicted. That's because the full effect likely won't be felt for another month. And we're just weeks away from the next budget deadline, uh, which could potentially lead to a government shutdown. But I thought this was cutting to future spending right. increases. Right. Right. You're right. So, uh, you guys, I know we don't do video. You don't see me right face now. You're palming though. But I'm face palming. So tell me what Why? you make of this. To listen to what they say, oh, and then tell I, me gonna, tell me what this kind of implies to you. Okay. Go off. Yeah, Fox News alert: New evidence: President Obama may be on the losing side of the argument over recent budget changes. Welcome to America Live, everyone. I'm Megan Kelly. Hi, Megan. After weeks. Okay, I got to make it clear. I don't have three cars. The chat room thinks I actually have three cars. I do not have three cars. Of hearing Washington complain about the dramatic fallout from these automatic spending changes that the president proposed, that Congress. Uh, passed and that the president signed into law. A new ABC News poll finds today that Americans support those spending changes yeah! by a two-to-one margin, except when it comes to the cuts that we're facing in the Defense Department. All that comes is we also get a leaked government memo that suggests the administration may be trying to make sure 
that changes at different federal agencies are living up to the dire warnings put forward by certain administration officials. Okay, now listen to this and see what you think. Turning colors here, Chris. The email comes from an agriculture department manager who asked about the kinds of changes he was being asked to make and says his bosses responded by saying, quote, however you manage that reduction, you need to make sure you are not contradicting what we said the impact would be. So this guy who runs this department emails his boss and says, hey, I was thinking, you know, I could tweak this, adjust this. I, what kind of cut should I make? And the response is, you got to make it at least as bad as we said it would be. Sounds like they're trying to hype it up a little bit when you hear that. And I think now, so this is the big platform that the Republicans are sort of building for their for the fight against this. And I think this could get some traction because I, I honestly think this is what's going on. I think I, I alluded to this last episode, but this has been Obama's game plan. He's, he's got a long game in process where he's planning to discredit the right wing and get them out of the House in 2014. So that way he gets a, a, Demo, a Democratic House in there. And then he's really going to bang some stuff out. I think this has been his plan. Since. So he wants both. He wants it both back. So the top-ranking Republican in the Senate, with harsh words about the White House dealing with the sequester, Senator Mitch McConnell saying that Washington continues careening from crisis to crisis because he believes President Obama is too focused on restoring Democratic control of the House come 2014. Carl Rose, a former senior advisor to President George W. Bush, and a Fox News. There's a great example of. Then bring it on. And listen to the way he starts talking. We start talking to Carl Rove. Tributor, we find him today in New Orleans, Louisiana. Carl, good morning to you. The Washington Post wrote about this over the weekend. Wall Street Journal writes it about it. Owned by News Corp. Today. Do you believe these reports that he's playing a long game for the midterms to get control of the House and the Senate? Well, the Washington Post article was uh, apparently based on reporting uh, conversations with White House aides who said this is President Obama's legacy that he's seeking to return control of the House of Representatives to the Democrats, make Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I had to cut it right there just because Karov Rove called Nancy Pelosi Peloser. So uh, according to these emails that the Washington Post got their hands on, uh, White House aides have just basically are saying, yeah, this is the game plan. The Washington Post and others are, are, are reporting that what's really going on here, what, is, what this is all really about, is posturing by the White House to kick out the Republicans so that the Democrats can control the House come 2014. And so all the rest is just window dressing. It's noise. It's manufactured fights. It's straw men to, to sort of make people feel good or bad against one party or the other. Uh, so that they'll hopefully kick out the Republicans from controlling that House in 2014. That's what they believe the president's goal really is in all of his moves here. So, and, and this actually sounds kind of legit, although this doesn't sound like anything that a Republican president wouldn't do in his same exact seat. You know, it's, this, is, this is politics. This is basically how it works. Now, uh, the case they're trying to build is that Obama is promoting things like the sequester and fiscal cliff to right. specifically discredit the Republican Party, which is, of course, then hurting the country as a whole. But you know, isn't Obama the one not like he's out campaigning and he wasn't even wanting to meet? And now all of a sudden he announced that he's meeting with uh, what junior members uh, next week, rank and file members. Again, though, that's politics because yeah. they didn't reach out to him. He didn't reach out to them. Should they be the ones to reach out to the president of the United States or should the president of the United States be reaching out to them? You know, it was just ridiculous back and forth politics. So oh, it's it's one of these things where I can see kind of both sides in this in this story. Uh, 
and it's not a bad tactic for uh for uh the the right to take in this kind of you know this kind of ongoing debate and they have a, a like a like a dinner meeting set up Obama yeah, and yeah, the uh, yeah, they're yeah. is this another beer summit is this another beer summit I, if they're going to drink beer maybe they would get, maybe they'd have a few drinks and fix this thing up but I no. just I don't I mean I, I guess his play is 2014 but this whole this whole premise that you know we're going to be cutting and we're going to feel these effects these are, again these are cuts against future right. spending and, measures. And what the government and specifically the Obama administration is really good at is, is taking these sort of calamity situations and really sort of pointing out all of the ways it's the Republicans' fault. And the Republicans don't have this sort of cohesive response mechanism. They have Fox News, but that only gets them so far. And they have yeah. Rush, but again, that only gets them so far. Whereas Obama has, like, his his campaign teams are still in place. Yeah. He's got coordinated messages. He's got the pulpit to stand from. Plus, he has a, you know, a White House spokeshole in Carney who uh, goes out there and gives him the message. And then he's got the State Department people echoing that. So he's re- they've really got this concentrated message they can deliver. Um, and this, the, the truth lies in between somewhere. Yeah. It just, it just, it just really burns me that you know they, they, they are really, literally pulling all the stops out. Mm-hmm. Literally, mm-hmm. I mean, you had, you had Janet Napolitano, uh, you know, she was uh, saying the other day. Uh, now, don't get mad at the TSA right. agents. Right. You know, if you have to wait in line, they're, it's not their fault. Right. About the, I mean, it's like you know what. F you, lady. Mm-hmm. It's my freedom as an American. If I want to complain to them, they are government employees. I can complain to them if I want to. <laughs> what about the freedom? Can I just have the airline that doesn't do the security checks, and if a bomber gets on there, it's cool? And it's only people that say they're cool with that. So if we all blow up, we've all we've all signed up. I'll sign a waiver. Well, don't you find it very interesting? You know, I, I know we don't have it in the rundown, but the whole knife thing, you know, yeah. where, where you can take a knife now that's uh, two up, two and a half inches. It's basically a pocket knife. You could take a pocket knife on right. board with you now. Yeah. And the flight attendant. You're not they, happy. They're not happy. Not well, happy. you know, we shouldn't be the last line of defense. I will, I will guarantee you this. Ever since 9-11, you know, Americans now have a, a very short fuse when it comes to traveling. When you go through security checkpoints. I don't like it. Right, you're going through security checkpoints. Then you're on a plane. Then you're sitting on the tarmac. Then you're finally in the air. And you, you have to fight for that damn can of soda. And by the time you get that damn can of soda, you, you, your fuse is, is literally a half an inch. It's shorter than yeah. the damn blade. And then what happens if some terrorist decides to be a little stupid you're gonna have four or five or six or 12 people jumping that dude yeah it's never gonna happen again never these flight attendants need to i mean especially when you have guys in first class yeah with knives you did know you, with meat did you see that uh whatever on the uh eve the game. Uh, uh linux can just put this in the chat room too but on the eve of the sequester uh the uh tsa put in an order for 50 million dollars worth of uniforms <laughs> Right before the sequester oh, went in. Oh, yeah, and they're saying, you know, well, lines are going to get longer because we have to cut back on hiring and overtime. Yeah. You know what? Not everybody gets overtime. Suck it. <laughs> you just do not like that. I, I agree with you. I can't I'm, I'm just, I, you know, it's, it's, it's all theater. Uh, you know, so speaking of Eric Holder. Water bottle's okay. Uh, <laughs> now, I have, uh, you know what we have? Before we go on, we should probably do a... Drone update. That's right. Eric Holder uh, was asked about uh, droning a U.S. citizen. A lethal drone strike on an American citizen on U.S. soil. The Attorney General of the United States, Eric Holder, won't completely rule rule out such a shocking scenario. Pentagon correspondent Chris Lawrence is working this story for us. Chris, what's going on here? 
Well, this has got to come as a, a big shock to a lot of Americans who may not have imagined that the U.S. government could assert this kind of power here inside the United States. Basically, Senator Rand Paul wanted some explanation about how much power the government has to go after citizens. He got that clarification, and therefore now so do we. In a letter, the Attorney General Eric Holder wrote to Rand Paul. He said that authorizing a drone strike against an American citizen right here on U.S. soil, that would be a hypothetical situation, hypothetical. unlikely to occur, and something that he hoped no president would ever have to do. But... Quote, it is possible, I suppose, to imagine an extraordinary circumstance in which it would be necessary and appropriate under the Constitution and applicable laws of the United States for the president to authorize the military to use lethal force within the territory of the United States. The letter goes on to give examples such as the impending attack on, say, Pearl Harbor from 1941 or the attacks on September 11, 2011. Uh, in a separate letter, the nominee to be the CIA director, John Brennan, says this would not be a mission that the CIA could authorize. It would have to come from the president. So if they're going to drone a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil, the order has to come from Barry. It cannot come from the CIA. Oh, okay. Himself. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah, well, and a little bit because the CIA is scary as hell. Yeah. Of course. Quick, uh, hold on for a second, uh, Chris, uh, because I want to bring Jeffrey Tubin into this conversation. Uh, Jeff, hey, Jeff. Uh, if it's uh, okay, if it's legal for a U.S. drone to uh, kill an American citizen on foreign soil, whether in Yemen or Somalia or Afghanistan, someplace else, what's the difference between you using a U.S. drone to target an assassination of an American citizen on U.S. soil. This is on U.S. soil? Well, it, it is a different situation. The federal government has more limited powers under the Constitution within the United States, but it still has a lot of powers here. And if you had a national security situation um, with, that, with, with tremendous urgency along the lines of Pearl Harbor or 9-11, you could see a situation where the drone, like a fighter plane, like uh, a very powerful gun could be used in the United States. It's just another weapon, and the police have a lot of weapons in this country. No, that is true. Oh, can't argue man. with that, can you? Wow. Uh, so uh, they they say they think they can do it. I guess. I guess that's what the answer is there. Now, uh, strangely, after oh, guess what? Rand's back. Oh, no, he's back up. No, he's back. Executive yeah. and the legislative, it should involve Republicans and Democrats trying to restrain the president. I'm going to put up your video. He, he, he's, he's actually looking pretty good for going, you know, taking breaks, of course, but and only eating the Snickers, as far time, as we know. I would, uh, without yielding the floor, like to entertain without a yielding from the, the floor. From Florida. This is how he gets out. So he steps out. So he says, without yielding the floor, I'll entertain a question. Thank you. First of all, and this me, guy doesn't uh, ask a question at all. Let me congratulate the senator, junior senator from Texas, on a now. This is the guy that had the water, the the dry uh, mouth, question, yeah. response incident. References. He used a reference to the movie. Pack. Anyways, let's move on. Oh, but I just man. I just find it really interesting. Uh, it's it's just interesting to watch this process unfold in front of us, especially as we do a show like this. Uh, so you you hear these reports and you wonder. You know, maybe anti-government sentiment might be up at an all-time high, Chase. Gee. You think? Our fifth story out front, the rise of hate in America. 
Oberlin College in Ohio suspended classes this week after a student reported seeing someone dressed in Ku Klux Klan robes. Oh, it follows a string of recent hate incidents on racist. campus. Now, last August, a 40-year-old ex-soldier turned white supremacist rocker shot up a Sikh temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, killing six people. You'll remember that. A few weeks later, a group of Georgia men was linked to an anti-government plot to assassinate President Obama. And it's all part of what the Southern Poverty Law Center says is a disturbing trend. The group's new study says the number of anti-government groups is at an all-time high, and many are driven by their fear that the government will strip them of their rights. But the study's findings, do they add up? Now, I wonder if those studies' findings add up. Do Chase. they add up, Chris? You think maybe there's more people that are anti-government than they've been before? It just seems like that might. Uh... I mean, but anti makes it seem like I mean you're you're a racist or a supremacist, Chris. It is interesting too. You remember a couple of was it two weeks ago we had the clips about uh, home or was it last week we had the clips of it was last week we had the clips about homegrown terrorism on yep. the rise, lone wolves, and, and that yep. <laughs> and then we have this report. It's just a little steady trickle. Uh, the number of anti-government groups in the United States is an all-time high and has increased 800 percent since Barack Obama took office according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. So 800% is a pretty big increase. Sure and you know, it's interesting because at the same time, this matches uh, some updates that Google's done in their transparency oh report. Oh my God. It now includes the FBI and national security letters. Now, Google has to walk a tight line here. Yes, because these. Do. It's funny because under the Patriot Act, they're not actually allowed to tell us that they're looking for stuff on us. Like Google can't contact you and say, hey, Chase, they just submitted some stuff asking for information on you. Yeah. Uh, so, but they are able to publish some of the letters, I guess, in some circumstances, which right. is so no more than a thousand national security letter, letters. So zero to nine nine nine. I guess they can be vague. Uh, and uh, for the last year, one thousand to two thousand users or, or slash accounts, because you know some users have multiple accounts, uh, were uh, included. Yeah, and that's you know, and it's it's just it's. I don't know. It's one of these things where you have to remind, you have to remember that when your information is in a cloud service like that, if they're a private or even a public company will, under will, the United States, they're withheld to the United States law. But I will say this. Law of the land. I will, I will say this. There are 300 million people who live in the United States. 2,000 is not too bad? 2,000 out of 300 million? Not so bad. With Google being the most popular you know, search engine yeah. being used. Gmail and all that. You know what? You know what? They're... I mean, the law of averages, there's probably a good chunk of bad people. Maybe. Really bad people. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. 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 Hopefully it's on a fishing expedition. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. The other thing that I wonder, I wonder, remember there's that wiretapping law where the, if the emails are older than a certain date. That's right. We talked, what was it, like six months or something like that? So it's just better just to delete and not archive? Yeah, and I wonder if that. I don't think they have to have some of the same requirements to get to that. They don't need a search warrant. Yeah. Or they, or we, we were talking about how you know they were trying to make it that you need a search warrant because yeah. there was a loophole or yeah. something in there. Yeah. So that's, we have uh, links to the transparency report in the yeah. show notes as well as uh, you know just a quick plug. The show notes got a lot of stuff in there. A lot of a lot of details are pulled out from the articles. A lot of uh, backup and supporting links, and uh, including I have the PDF to uh, that uh, Save Our Society report that uh, tells you. Uh, you know, we need to sue Washington and Colorado, basically, oh, man. and try to tries to give the reasons for that. So uh, uh, you can uh, you can find all of that in the show notes. To find the show notes, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and look for Unfilter Episode 40. That's right, 40 episodes. And then over there you will find That's an even notes. number, Chris. Four, I know, four I like zero. that. I like that, Chase. Yes. All right, Mr. Chase. Well, just a reminder, folks, we are live now Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's well, right, Wednesday evening. It's the middle of the week. It gets you over the hump of filtered news. Now, remember, 
We want your participation. There's That'd many awesome. different ways you can yeah. participate. Yeah. One of the ways you can participate is by jumping on to our Reddit page. Now, if you head over to unfilter.reddit.com, mm-hmm. you goodness. can uh, vote stories up. You can vote stories down. You know what else we should mention is there's an unfilter section on the new Jupiter Colony Google Plus community. That's right. So people can also feedback over there if they're not Reddit users. And I heard President Chase is a moderator. Of oh, that. I like that guy. Yes, I know he's going to uh, socialize bacon. Has he got a policy? He's got a plan mm, on yeah, that. Uh, I'm going to stro- I'm going to go to Congress and form the, the Department of Bacon. Nice. Now uh, we have 323 readers. So don't forget, subscribe. And now, Chase, where can people follow you throughout the week? Uh, people can follow me in two different places. They can head over to uh, the Twitters, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Nice. And also my little internet broadcasting network for geeks and gamers, geekgamer.tv, where we do a Minecraft show, a geek and technology show, and other various things. And and Chris, during the week, where can people find you? I would always like to recommend twitter.com slash Chris Elias. Of course, we got links to that. And uh, my Google+, Plus, your Google+, Plus in the show notes. And, yes! Uh, and uh, Twitter profiles, so people can always find us there. And uh, also, just want to thank all 37 subscribers. You guys are our investors. You are keeping the show on the air, and we really appreciate you. So stay tuned. You'll get your pre and post shows. I would love to, you know, Check I want to inbox. put the call out. We need to have four sign up by next week. And Wouldn't the reason awesome? why, because be I awesome? want to be at 41 and 41. Oh, that'd be we awesome. Need, we need people to pass the episode number. That would be can awesome. Can we get there? Just four people? Four of you. That'd be great. All we need is just four of you. And don't forget to check your inboxes. Get the uh, pre and post show, the supporter show. It's some really great clips. Yes. Including one of Bill O'Reilly losing it. Oh my God. <laughs> he was, was not re- happy. No, no. He was not happy. He was not a good He was ready to Cuss. He was ready to blow. Oh, all right. Well, and also thanks for using our Amazon affiliates yeah. and all of those, you guys. We really appreciate all the support. Now, uh, don't forget to tune right back here next week for a brand new episode of Unfilter. See you next Wednesday.